Welcome to Tea Break with Vivian Cosimir. Vivian and her guests are here to help you empower yourself and open your mind to higher realizations. Now, here is Vivian. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this April podcast on Awakening in Mental Health. My slogan, if coffee wakes you up, tea awakens you. I am Vivian Casimir, and I have the pleasure to be here with Frida Schneider and Mary Size, who are sharing with us their own awakening and experience in using a spiritual angle in their respective work. As we mentioned in the past podcast episodes, spirituality simply means the way you reconnect with your true nature and the reality of oneness, the way you relate to others, nature, and the universe for harmony and self-realization. Scientists and spiritual masters all agree now that at this time of modern human history, an awakening on the planet is necessary to help move humanity forward. We call it, actually, conscious evolution. What appears as chaos is described by many as an opportunity to develop our human potential for oneness in the world. For some of us, this is obvious. For others, perhaps much less obvious, as it requires a shift of consciousness. But either way, we may all experience at times some mental distress, as it is, um, or I should say, as it can be difficult to manage the chaos of the world reflected in our daily life. So let's start with Frida and her own experience of awakening and how she incorporates a spiritual background into the standard medical system. So Frida, welcome to the podcast and I am so glad to share with you my first cup of tea of the day. You are in the medical field with an interest in mental health. So just to give a background super quickly, um, holistic modalities, meditation, mindfulness, yoga, and the like have gained popularity and recognition for their benefits for the mind and the body. And yet there is still some resistance in the standard medical field in the West for reasons that scale from ignorance to capitalism, but that's not our subject. So I'm curious to hear how you, Frida, maneuver in that field and what's your perspective on this. And first, Frida, welcome. And what is your story? How did you come to do what you do? Thank you so much for having me, Vivian. It's a, a true honor to be here and to share a little bit about my story and about my spirituality. And like you said, how I use that in my field of work, which is in psychiatry. Um, first, I'd like to say that um, I am a child of the universe uh, living on earth in this body, in this time. I am a daughter, a big sister, a wife, and a mother. But most importantly, I am. And that is what really got me into Spiritual, spirituality, I, uh, I woke into that question. I started to ask questions about who I truly am and what was the purpose of this. And I was in distress. Um, and I can imagine a lot of people are when they go through these, these questions. And that's what led me into psychology and psychiatry and the medical field. I wanted to, to help people um, kind of figure it out in a Socratean way, you know? Yeah. yeah. So That's back funny. to, yeah, the question about um, how I deal with my spirituality and my field of work is um, meeting everyone with this knowing that we are one from the same source and that we are all made of love. And when you create that space, magic can happen. Healing mm. can happen. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. You, uh, you have actually an interesting uh, childhood. You yeah. mentioned that it started early, this strong calling you had. Just yeah. a few minutes about that. Maybe. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was uh, brought up in a Christian background, um, and uh, I was always asking questions because I, I, as a child, I, I thought this universe or this this earth that we were placed on was a beautiful place, but I had so many questions about how we were um, dealing with the issues of of life, and uh, I wanted. I had a lot of questions about why do we do the things that we do? Um, hmm. What is the purpose of this all? Um, are we going to come back? Do we have to repeat it? Is there some way that we can uh, do this life perfectly? These were questions that I had and um, being brought up with Christianity really um, taught me about, you know, um, being a part of something that's greater than yourself and um, feeling connected to something, feeling bonded to other people through the faith in something else. That was important for me in my journey, but I also had a lot of questions um, as to why are there so many different religions and Mm -hmm. why do I have to have this particular one? Um, is this the one that holds the most truth? Um, because I want to believe in the truth. I don't want to be fooled around with. I'm, I'm, I don't have time for that. I want, <laughs> I, want, I want at least what's closest to the truth as possible. Mm-hmm. And um, that led me into to questioning uh, the people who were affiliated to different branches of faith as in Buddhism and Catholicism and Protestant uh, Christians and and Jews and and Muslims, I would always ask them, that's so interesting, and I respect you for having a religion that you adhere to, um, but how did you come about choosing that one? Hmm, Very good question. Mm -hmm. Was it a conscious choice that you made. You put all the religions out on the table and you said, okay, now I know enough about them all to to say this one. This one is the one I'll pick. Or was it a part of your cultural package like mine was that you just, you know, accepted without knowing that you accepted it. It was just given to you and now you're living it, breathing it without questioning it. And for a lot of, uh, I mean, most of the people would answer the latter that it was a part of the cultural package, but it gave you, they, it always gave them something important. So they wanted to continue to adhere to that one because that's what was easiest in their culture, in their families, whatnot. That wasn't enough for me. Yeah. I, I needed to, to know. And um, I was baptized as a child. I was, um, I went through confirmation and then um as a young adult, I chose to be baptized again in my oh, early, cool. early 20s. Um, I was so much, I was searching for God, um, truly. Um, and I believed there was a God. I just didn't really buy the whole uh, package of Christianity. I didn't. Um, That's interesting because your questioning was not about religion after all. It was about the true spirituality, mm-hmm. which is absolutely all religions have a level of spirituality. So it's beyond the discourse of religion. That's, that's exactly. very interesting. And that is, it, I'm, I'm very grateful that I had that upbringing because it kept that spirituality alive within me. Because um, I was, you know, um, around a lot of wise, realistic people who were atheists and agnostics and all of these things. And I I wanted to know why they chose that as well. (laughs) So I always questioned, Mm -hmm. questioned, questioned, questioned. And at some point I was really tired because there were no answers. I remember going into um, studying existential uh, philosophy at one point when I was in the States. And it just made me really depressed, basically, uh, because there were no answers. But there were a lot of men um, and some women that had great theories about things. And, you know, some of them are really, really good. Absolutely. But there were no, like, definite answers with two lines under, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really troubled me. So at some point, I was just fed up with the whole thing. And um, I just decided to drink my tea 
go for runs in the morning early before anyone mm. woke up and then meditate. I just wanted to try it. Mm-hmm. I was already intri- I was already intrigued by yoga and mindfulness, but I wanted to really commit to it for some time. And that's when I started to have uh, a series of what I would call micro awakenings. Wow. Um, where you where I felt truly um, part of like one with the universe, one with nature. I felt this immense love. And wow. uh, and this this made me um, not interested in finding God outside because I felt God within. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. So that's that's wonderful. Yeah, you started early. This, that was a strong calling, mm-hmm. a very strong calling. Yeah, M- uh, many people have this kind of. Uh, micro i like your expression micro awakening but uh, meaning the questioning okay what is who am i what's the meaning of life and blah 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 but as we know many prefer to put those things under the carpet and continue with the system the way it is so it takes courage so i must say it takes courage to to really pursue pursue that and uh, and resilience because mm -hmm. as you said uh, most people are are comfortable with just leaving those questions Mm -hmm. aside and just going with the flow and doing what everyone else is doing and what our parents did and what their grandparents did but there there were no you know book that said you're supposed to do it this way so do it this way we're just doing what we think we're supposed to be doing and exactly uh, that's not enough Exactly. You said it. It's not enough. So, which brings me to the second question about what is mental health for you? Because we know with the new consciousness, the concept of health has changed. Health is not the absence of disease. So, in the same line of thinking, mental health is not the absence of mental disorder. So, mm-hmm. what is health for you with your, with your mm-hmm. way of looking at it? Yeah. Well, I would say that like... You put it so perfectly, but I think it's being in harmony with your inner world um, and not being too affected by by what's happening on the outside world. I think that is um, probably my definition of it. And then that means that, yes, things are happening on the outside, um, but are you going to allow it to shift? your equilibrium on the inside. And that takes a lot of work. You need to be constantly Mm -hmm. consciously aware of your thoughts and your feelings because a lot of people, most people are 95% of the time working out of subconscious programming. And so if you have a pattern, that's the go-to way of thinking and behaving and and feeling. We have moods that's... um, but. When you are in good health, that's when you have somewhat of a harmony within uh, that's not Mm -hmm. affected too much of the outside events. Exactly. And that's a journey. Definitely. No, it's it's well said. It's well said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that includes also the definition of WHO. Uh, in that sense, the way you think, the way you relate to others and uh, and everything. It's cultural and social, family. It, it's, a, it's kind of a global things. But, yeah, we call yeah. it a biopsychosocial model. Ah, there's a word for that. There's it is. a word, there's for, a word for it. <laughs> yeah, we need to categorize. It's very important yeah. to label things. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go to that question about stretching concepts. So we yes. have to get there. Yeah. So with your uh, spiritual uh, opening experience background, I don't know what to say, but what are your observation and opinion about the traditional approach in your field of medicine, mental health. Meaning, like you explained last time, the lack of consciousness or awakening. Mm-hmm. So in mm-hmm. that line of... Yeah, I mean, um, I think uh, most people that are working in the field or in, in Western medicine mm-hmm. um, uh, and in psychiatry, definitely, are very, um, you know trying to be neutral about this, not trying to take a strong um, 
opinion about spirituality or not. But I think there's a common consensus that it doesn't really belong in medicine, in Western medicine. Mm. Um, I think more so in the States, it's um, a more allowed and more, you know, present within the medical fields. Uh But in Europe, I think um, there's not so much uh, room for spirituality or or religion in in the sense of, you know, uh, physical and mental health, which is a, a, a big shame because I think as more and more people are awakening, we need to adapt to this uh, alongside that trend, uh, because this is it's not just a trend. This is how it's going to be in the future. So we need to adapt. The thing is, it's really hard to get the medical field to adapt um, and the literature to adapt. But I think um, more and more people are young and awakening, and they're going into the medical fields. So there will be a shift. Mm -hmm. There will definitely be a shift in this. um, And I think... um, people have also acknowledged that spirituality is a big part of human beings' lives um, and that we need to adapt to that and also incorporate that into our questionnaires. Um, For instance, you know, are you spiritual? Do you adhere to a religion? And Mm -hmm. what does that do for you? And Mm -hmm. because it has a huge impact on people's Uh, mental and physical well-being exactly exactly yeah it's Uh, directly connected i would say yeah no absolutely yeah so by awakening uh, let's there's different levels of awakening of course but let's make it just basic for the listeners to understand what we are talking about Mm -hmm. it's about an awareness of something deeper in us uh, like oneness awareness that the duality we live in is not real, is not reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awareness that we are more than the ego. So all of these are the beginning of, of awakening uh, mm-hmm. in that sense. Yeah. yeah. And even for those who have been on the path, they are also sometimes experiencing moment of distress. So that's also, there are two things you mentioned once. It's the lack of awakening from doctors because they are not trained in that sense mm-hmm. and lack of awakening from patients, meaning they expect to be well, for example, right away, or uh, they are not ready to hear a different way of looking at themselves. They are not ready to drop the old paradigm, Mm -hmm. this kind of things. Yeah. So look, that's not my, my job is not to make people awaken. My job is to awaken myself and, and that is everyone's job. But I think that, um, uh, in, in, in the practice, um, a lot of patients uh, definitely do uh, have this idea that you come to a shrink or a psychiatrist with all your problems and uh, the shrink will solve them and you, or, or you'll get a pill and that's the solution uh, when it's not. It's not at all. You cannot take a pill and the suffering will go away. That's mm-hmm. just not how it works. And, and a lot of people don't want to hear that because in this society that we live in now, everything is going so quickly and um, we're used to take medications. There's a pill for that. There's a pill for that. There are commercials that just, you know, throw symptoms at you. And if you have any of these, then you you should ask your doctor and your doctor has Mm. been trained to give you a pill because that's what the patient wants. The patient pays you to give him a pill so that he can go on living the life that he's always lived and expect change. It's 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 not going to happen. So um, we need to awaken to that first, that awakening is hard work. Um, getting out of suffering is hard work, but it's worth it. No, absolutely. <laughs> no, but I mean... Uh... Uh, yeah, you can, and as you, you said, it's more and more. I mean, humanity is going through a phase, and it is essential. It, it is. is. It is yeah. essential because very often we we confuse, especially in your field, we confuse mental disorder with distress. Yeah, distress because even I, I, and as I said, even those who are on a spiritual practice sometimes are just burnout, you know, yeah, and distress, depressed at some point. So. There's um yeah 
Absolutely. Which is understandable because there is a lot of karma and there is a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, dark stuff from uh, deep, deep within everyone's soul, uh, which is a part of the whole. We just need to to release it and transmute mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and overcome it, yeah. transcend it. And that is the work that you have to do. Um, and you need to commit to it and Take 100% responsibility for you and for your life and for your healing and your journey. Which makes me uh, go to the next point of responsibility. We mm. see it as something negative, but mm. let's redefine responsibility. Uh, I have here uh, this definition uh, by this uh, I may mispronounce it, Ho'oponopono. <laughs> well, Ho'oponopono. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It says, well, it's not only them, but it's, you know, in spirituality, when we say responsibility, it does not mean it's your fault. It means that you are responsible for healing yourself in order to heal whatever or whoever it is that appears to you as a problem. Right. So it's your own universe, your own reality. So in mm-hmm. that sense, so we can say we all need to take responsibility. Absolutely. And I think us. the responsibility actually means that you have an ability to respond to the stimulus that is presented to you. So something happens in the external world or within, mm-hmm. and you have, because you're a conscious being, you have the time to choose your response accordingly so that's taking taking responsibility how are you going to respond to what happens yeah. exact yeah you uh, mentioned um the way you approach uh, things with your uh, client mm-hmm. and uh, and i really like the way that's why i thought of hoponopono uh, how you gave them the space of acceptance and love can you say a few words about that yep well that comes back to you know christianity and treat others the way you want to be treated yourself and all of that stuff but i think once you really truly accept or have an inner standing not just a um, uh, intellectualized understanding but you have an inner standing of Uh, this oneness that we belong to, that we are one, that we come from the same source. We're just separated uh, in physical bodies right now, mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of an illusion. We're, that is for us to experience the most. We spread ourselves out, and we're we're you know living in individual bodies, experiencing individual things. But at the core, we are one. And the fabric of what we're made of is love. And once you kind of have that approach in meeting with with your patients or with anyone, you create a space of uh, potential healing. Exactly. I believe, I, I really truly believe that. And I see it in practice every day when I'm with my patients. Um, it's, uh, it's truly beautiful. When you, when you can reach a patient like that, yeah, yeah, wonderful. Mm. Do you see any uh, social or cultural differences regarding the me- the concept of mental health or wellness mm-hmm. between Europe and US? You mentioned last time a few interesting points. Yeah, well, um, not to be you know, negative towards my American friends, but um, I studied there um, before I studied psychology and before I went back to to Europe and um, I loved being there, but I noticed and um, I still notice there's a trend of um, uh, diagnosing a lot and having multiple diagnoses and mm-hmm. it's okay because that's a part of the the culture and um and i also noticed that um 
you know, it's normal to go to a shrink or a psychologist with your problems, which is a good thing. Um, I think everyone should speak to a psychologist from time to time. You know, it, you mm -hmm. can learn something, uh, if anything. But um, in Europe, there's been a lot of stigma, uh, which is yeah. starting to kind of dissipate um, because we have Hollywood and uh, we also see that um, page, um, these um people in the big movies, they pop pills and, you know, they have anti-anxiety and antidepressants and they have mm -hmm. whatnots yeah. and it's okay. And they talk to their shrinks and, you know, there's uh, a more, more accepted uh, part of health now is uh, the mental health aspect before, as before it was a lot of stigma regarding it. So mm -hmm. that's something that I've noticed. Um, we uh, use different classification systems uh, for mental disorders. There's uh, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders, which is used in, in uh, Northern America and also um, a few other places. And then we use the International Classification of Diseases, which is uh, from uh -huh. the World Health Organization. But okay. we use both. <laughs> And I think uh, Americans use both as well. Uh, it's just that they have their own way of looking at things and they want to classify it in some different ways, but there, there's a great overlap and we use both. So I would say okay. mental health in, in, in America and in Europe are you know, quite similar. It's just a cultural thing that there's more acceptance maybe in the States. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so uh, going back to your field, uh, in the future is going to change for sure. But if you could uh, envision, what would be the first two things, for example, you would implement in that field to open to this new reality? Well, um, I would definitely put it as a, a point uh, in every meeting with every new patient that you that you, uh, you do ask about spiritual uh, practices or uh, whether they adhere to sort of a religion or not. I think that's something that you have to um, figure out with your patient because it's a huge part in some people's lives. And um, if you don't bring it up, then you will never know about that part uh, of the person. Um, so I think that's important. I think also um, there should be an accept uh, within the medical field that uh, practitioners uh, may be spiritually inclined <laughs> as well <laughs> and, and not think that that's, you know, pseudoscience because we cannot prove it. Well, we're starting, we're starting to get some tools to prove mm -hmm. a few yeah. things that the Eastern philosophical thoughts uh, exactly. 2000 or 3000 years ago started to, to claim. And we're starting to, to find tools to actually prove that some of these things might not be so stupid after all. And, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. yoga, meditation, mindfulness, it's not just for the special people, uh, you know, singing Hare Krishna in the streets. It's for you, it's for me, it's for everybody, and it has benefits. <laughs> yeah, so no, we should exactly, probably get yeah. to it. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, it's like meditation who, uh, that's given in schools in, for, for children, uh, yeah. even very young, you know. That's so beautiful. I'm thinking that should be also probably in the future something for the medical uh, domain. Absolutely. Also. Make it like a tool. Simply a tool instead of well, a pill. <laughs> we all, we all, we all, uh, we already have. There's a, a very interesting uh, doctor called Zabat, uh, and he uh, created the cognitive-based uh, therapy with mindfulness uh, okay. at its core. So this Zabat, the uh, man, he's uh, very interesting, and uh, it's actually quite efficient. Um, but it. It creates it, it. It it takes um, commitment from the patients, but it is mm -hmm. being implemented. We are talking about uh, mindfulness uh, in psychiatry, and stuff is happening for sure. So it, wonderful. We need yeah. to make sure it doesn't stagnate, but I'm sure it won't. No, this is going exactly. one way, and it's going exactly. yeah towards it's, more uh, integration. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, and I like those two things: awakening 
is essential for everyone. And responsibility. Those are the two concepts that I will remember from what you said. <laughs> responsibility. Exactly. <laughs> Understood in that sense of you are responsible for your own health. You know, the yeah. way you respond, the way you you take care of your own beliefs, you know, it starts with all of that. But of you course. take 100% responsibility, exactly. meaning that you are able to respond. Don't give that uh, away to anyone else. This is your gift. You can respond to what happens to you in life. So good. Yeah. So any advice to the listeners before we wrap up we don't have much time left so. absolutely yeah uh, if i could give any advice to the listeners it would be uh, the listeners are probably quite spiritual but uh, your emotions uh, your feelings are your guides don't be afraid of them but you don't have to ride them like a horse into the you know horizon you don't you that's a little bit about the responsibility as well. You should acknowledge that you have uh, an emotion. You should try to understand why you're having it. Um, and then you can choose to change your thought, change your frequency, change the way you look at things, and things change. So don't be afraid. These are your guides. Use them wisely. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Yeah. And if I may add, no matter what you do, don't give up because you are facing a wall at some point. That's part of the practice. Yes. As we say, more dharma goes up, more karma goes up. So you mm -hmm. see more. You have mm -hmm. to heal. Good. Well, we don't have much time. I could keep you here for other and a good hour, <laughs> Frida. <laughs> but um, thank you so much, though, Frida, for your time with us and sharing your wisdom and inspiring approach to awakening. I am sure that now listeners understand the importance for all of us to awaken for a better society and can also understand differently the concept of responsibility. So, to the listeners, stay with us. The journey to awakening, ha ha ha, continues after the break with Mary Size. We will explore why, in many cases, it is difficult to shift our beliefs for a healthy lifestyle and self transformation. So, stay tuned for more inspiration. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Set your goals higher and aim for a true transformation in your life. Do not settle for well-being. Be grounded, centered, and raise your consciousness for self-realization. Mayoku Techniques help you start your journey or deepen your practice on a one-to-one -one training. Check the website www.myokucenter.com and together let's make a difference now in your life it's your world motivate change succeed voiceamericaempowerment.com welcome back to tea break with vivian cosimir we hope today's episode is making you feel empowered in many ways. Now, back to the show with Vivian. Welcome back to our discussion on awakening in mental health. And welcome, Mary. It is a real pleasure to have you with us. As we discussed earlier with Frida, mental health is about our emotional, psychological, cultural, and social well-being. It is about how we handle stress, how we relate to others and how we think, feel and act. I liked this way of defining it and it's also the definition of WHO because it shows that we don't look anymore at the human being as an isolated entity in a vacuum. He or she exists in relation to a larger context and level of consciousness. So that's true mind, body and spirit combination. So, Mary, your, your background is clinical social work and you are a pioneer in the field of energy psychology that we call TAB. 
you published a wonderful self-help book entitled Energy of Belief that you will tell us about. Your uh, book offers tools to become a calm presence in times of chaos, such as times we live in. You have accomplished many things over the years and have published other books as well. We can find them listed in your bio of the podcast. But let me ask you first about your journey. So how did you get into social work and then into the energy psychology work? And if I may ask, how or what triggered your awakening? Oh, great questions. So social work, I don't know how I got into that. I always like to help people and I always had an opinion. I really thought social work was, that would be a good match for that. You know, people come, ask for your advice. I was always giving advice out anyway, so might as well get paid for it. <laughs> and that was, that was really uh, worked for me uh, until in when I was a young social worker, much younger than now. And um, I had a lot of clients who had trauma. That were, you know, they've been traumatized. They were really a lot of, a lot of trauma. And I really found that talk, everything that I learned in social work school, for me, it's not that it was wrong. It's just incomplete. Because when I would begin to talk with them, I knew we had to, there were stages of trauma work. Trauma was such a new field back in the 90s when I started practicing. And, um, but I found that talking about the trauma was making them worse. The nightmares were worse. The flashbacks were worse. They were maybe getting suicidal. They could have ended up in the hospital. And so I began to search. Well, let me say it first. I pray a lot. So I was pounding the heavens with like, come on, there's got to be something better. Help me out over here. You know, because my prayer was, I didn't want to make anybody worse. That They had been through such horrors. And then I'm like making it worse for them. It just felt wrong and something was missing. So that's what really started my search. Yeah. Wow. I first found this uh, therapy called EMDR, which is an eye movement therapy where you're like mm. waving your fingers in front of people's eyes. That looked really strange, but it was working. I mean, it was really working with people. And then I was at an EMDR training and somebody started talking about energy psychology. We were like, you're like tapping on your face and meridian points. And honestly, I didn't know meridian from like a, anything. I didn't know what they were talking about. And yet I had these clients for whom I was a little reluctant to use EMDR because oftentimes many traumas can come in and flood them. And I didn't want to flood them and they'll end up in the hospital. I mean, if I had them in the hospital, I probably would have done it because I'm really brave. But like I was sending them out in the world after a session. It's just like, <laughs> oh this my can't gosh. Work. So that's where I fell into this field. And it's been, and it was in the, the 90s. It was just wow. coming out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wonderful. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, next question. Society is always changing. That's a fact. It's normal. Things evolve. Mm -hmm. But what's happening now on the planet is quite unique on many levels. There's a deep shift in human consciousness. It mm -hmm. started decades ago, of course, but is fully hitting us now. Can you talk about it from your perspective? Yes. What I'm actually seeing in my practice and in the work that I do is uh, what they're saying was going to happen. Obviously, the, everything is speeded up and there's a lot of chaos. And we know chaos comes before calm. That's just how it goes. Yeah. And so, so there's a lot of chaos going around. At the same time, what I'm hearing and, and sensing is there's so much light coming on the planet now for healing. And so things that would have taken 10 years like to clear last, you know, maybe in the 90s or the early 2000s are moving really, really fast. Everything's going faster. And so to me, that's a good thing. Hmm. And why? Because what's happening now is there's, there's so much light on the planet that it's kind of shining a light on all those aspects of our energy field or, or in our chakras and our... Uh, meridians in our mm -hmm. aura, where we have contracted energy, fear, unworthiness, shame, guilt, mm. all that stuff. And so it's coming to the surface for everybody, which is why everybody's mm -hmm. kind of blowing up. And like, nobody can get away with anything anymore. Have you noticed that? Like you, you <laughs> yeah. cheat on somebody and next thing you know, your picture's on Facebook or you know, 
remember back in the old days, we had to drive by the guy's house to find out if her car was there or something like, you know, whatever. Now, forget it. It's on Facebook within 10 minutes. Everything's being illuminated. Everything is just out in the open now. So people funny. whose marriages were so-called okay are blowing up. Jobs are blowing up. Exactly. Companies are blowing up. Government's blowing up. Medicine's blowing up. All the hidden, hidden darkness is coming. That's to- so so interesting. Yes, I've I've heard that, of course, you know, in many, many organizations, spiritual gathering. And uh, what is interesting, we say in Zen, when the Dharma goes up, the karma also goes up. Uh-huh. It's like, so yeah. I, I understand. Oh, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. And this is interesting, because more people say that explain that from their perspective, it's like mm-hmm. it hits the listeners. Oh, yeah, okay, that's true. Everybody talks about this awakening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that's interesting. Right. So thank you. You wrote a book entitled mm-hmm. Energy of Belief. So uh, it's a great self-help book to start our self-transformation or even deepen it. And of course, as the title says, it's about beliefs. So what the thing I found funny is that we all know what beliefs are, of course, or we think we know and understand mm-hmm. them. But at times, we still struggle with them. Can you shed light on that and explain why beliefs are sometimes very hard to change? Yes. So one of the things you want to understand is when you're a child, the way the brain works. Mm-hmm. So when you're first born, your brain waves are very, very slow in Delta. And that's a sleep state. That's why babies sleep all the time. But under the age of seven, your brain is primarily in a theta state. Now, a theta state is a very hypnotizable state. So if I close, if I speak to you and I slow your brain waves down, I can put you in a trance. And then when you're in a trance, when, when a really good hypnotherapist, they could actually do surgery on you in a trance. Oh, oh that's wonderful. Yeah. Not my idea of a good time. Wow. And not signing up for that surgery. I don't know about you. But <laughs> I, I you, yeah, yeah. We could we could put a hot coal on you when you're in theta wow. and tell you excuse me, we could put a dime on you in theta, tell you it's a hot coal, and you'll ask actually blister. That's how powerful theta is. So when you think that every child under the age of seven is in theta most of the time, not all the okay. time. Mm-hmm. Now you got to think about, oh, what was it like under the age of seven? My sister called me a fat lard. My uh, my brother was the smart one and I was the stupid one. The mm. think you were programmed then. Yeah. Then what happens, you know, you get over seven, now you're in alpha beta. You know, if you have a teenager at home, you can't program them. They're like, forget about it. What you haven't programmed them under the age of seven, you got nothing on. You tell them things, they're like, their brain doesn't take it in. They're like, yeah, right, mom, you know, whatever. <laughs> yes. So that's not happening. <laughs> but under seven, whatever you say is a program about them. Mm-hmm. Like your dad loses his job or leaves you. Mm-hmm. You believe that you're unlovable or men don't stick around. Now, then what we do is we suppress it. Okay, because who wants to say that thought that there's something wrong? We all think there's something wrong with us. Okay, (laughs) the only thing wrong with you is they whoever took you home from the hospital. You know, I don't know about you. I went to New Jersey in the fifties. Dumb idea, but like they started covering you up with all these energies, and that aren't who you are. Uh. You have now you have a shell, and you have to have a couple costumes. Like I'm the smart kid. I'm mommy's (laughs) helper. Whatever you do to get through childhood, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. That's where beliefs are. Now you're an adult and you're in alpha beta, not theta. And you try to shift them from there. You can't get it. You, it, it won't mm. go. You can do affirmations forever and it won't work. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, yes. Oh. And so you have to go into theta. So hypnosis does that. Mm. Well, okay. you see, that will help to shift beliefs. But the other thing about the beliefs that are in theta that are in your subconscious mind, they have energy there. That's what keeps them stuck. So shame, unworthiness, fear, all those energies are in there. And that's what keeps it it's, them strong. Mm, yeah. Now, in the energy of belief, what we did was we taught you, we teach you how to use tapping on your meridian points and some eye movements. You know, many people actually nowadays who know energy don't know the original uh, method that Roger Callahan taught. I actually studied with Roger for wow. several years and okay. I trained with him and I taught for him. 
but so there's not the version we have with the eye movements, which shifts the brain. It's really key. And then, so anyway, that's what you do. You get the belief, you go, you shift it, and then you put in a new belief. So it's it's like it's like your iPhone. You just need an upgrade. You need to program that thing and reprogram it. Most of us are running with a really bad system in there. I really like this explanation because, in a way, it explains it explains why sometimes people go to big seminars with big names and they repeat affirmation the whole weekend. They go back home and. Yeah. And, and well, all you need, you go back home, somebody does something that pushes your buttons. Now remember, they didn't install your buttons. They just push them. Your brain comes, goes offline. Your neocortex goes offline. Your limbic brain is primary. It's all brain science. Your limbic brain is primary. You're in fight, flight, or freeze. You can't find an affirmation for the life of you because the affirmations are in your neocortex, which uh, is the top uh, part of your brain. Okay. So it's That's useless. It's totally useless. Oh, God. So, oh, whatever. Right. I don't know if it's useless. I'm sure it helps on something. I no, 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 of course. But it, to me, it's incomplete. Incomplete. It, exactly. No, I see. I see. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's very interesting. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, that's leading to the next question. We see, uh, for example, in New York City, for example, uh, Elizabeth, uh, oh, I forgot the, the name of this hospital where they do Reiki. So we see more and more energy healing mm-hmm. modalities challenging, in a way, the standard medical field. They are more and more accepted. It's not everywhere, but let's say. Right. But what can you say about energy psychology in relation to mainstream psychology? How is it received in a mainstream psychology? Well, now, now there's like uh, way more studies than when I started. I mean, in the beginning of the 90s, they thought we were nuts. <laughs> and I don't blame them, except my people got better and they stopped the flashbacks uh-huh. and the nightmares. They could sleep through the night and they changed their beliefs and they got off their meds. And that's what we were doing. Oh, yeah. And so, but they they haven't seen it or they haven't seen people who are really trained in it. Hmm. doing it well that that's there so they thought they always do that in the beginning of anything new and on top of which what pharmaceutical company is going to give us the funding to do the research when it's something that doesn't need their pill so that's stupid (laughs) so you know again the research always lags clinical that you that just and then it just takes this is the way any kind of thing goes yeah you know it takes 25 who knows years to get there However, what's happening is the public, and, and that's why we wrote the book for the general public. So the more and more people are using it, and I mean, you know, really using it or using it with a clinician or or who really know how to work it, then they're having more and more success. So now you're hearing more about it than, of course, in the 90s when we started this. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I just think it's going to take time. I mean, it's such a new paradigm. And I'm and you know what's happening? The other old paradigm is collapsing. Exactly. Yep. And people are saying, I don't want to take 12 medicines. I don't want to, you know, uh, you know, I'm not getting better. Like it's it's people will start l- looking for it. And what we have to do is be responsible about it and train people and train to me, train the world. I mean, get mm-hmm. the world happy. come and you know- try it out. What do you got to lose, you know? Exactly. (laughs) You know, maybe one day soon, I hope, we will see some sort of program uh, implemented in universities or colleges about just a regular training of mind, body, spirit in this new consciousness, which is everybody should know the basic of how to take care of yourself. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, well, I could say in the United States, I can train people in tapping and things like that. And and it's approved for social workers. Mm, Okay. So we we do have a lot of approvals. We've definitely made progress in it. It's just slow. And uh, yeah, but you know, also I have experience and uh, I'm not the only one saying that is, it's difficult when you change yourself, but society is still showing you the paradoxes. You know, yeah. it's, it's like the yeah. movie Don't Look Up. You grow, yeah. you see things, but you are still surrounded by nonsense, uh-huh. you know? Mm-hmm. So that's also the yeah. hard part. Okay. Yeah. Good. So uh, we all live, and that's something interesting I, I, I also saw in your book. We all live in a survival mode, whether we are aware of it or not, whether it mm-hmm. is on the physical level, emotional, spiritual. And if I may say, that's what needs to be addressed first if we want health in general and self-transformation. Mm-hmm. 
So mm -hmm. how do we calm down our survival brain so that we can be, and here I am quoting you, a calm healing presence on the planet and serve? And I love that question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, one of the ways, as I said, we can't talk to the limbic brain, the brain that's inside. Uh, uh, if you think of your your neocortex as the top of your brain, the whole top of your head, but mm -hmm. way down in the middle is your is your emotional limbic brain. And that's where fight, flight, freeze, or fawn is. Fawn oh. is when you're a people pleaser and you try to get everybody else to be happy, um, you know, so that you won't get eaten. Um, so so it, it, when you, that part gets triggered, there's a part of the brain called your amygdala, which is like a smoke alarm. And it smell, it's, so if it sees or hears or smells something um, that it's, quoted as dangerous, it's going to shoot an alarm off and you're going to uh -huh. go into that. You cannot change that. I okay. mean, excuse me. Yeah. You can't change that by talking to it. Okay. Because okay. it's like your smoke alarm, you can talk to it. Oh, it's only the oven. It's still making the noise. Right. You know, so mm -hmm. we have to reset mm -hmm. it and we have to actually fix it. The way that I found that works the fastest, which is why I love it, is the tapping because there's a part of the tapping that also includes eye movements. And the eye movements, the eyes are the part of the brain on the outside of the eye of the brain. And as you start moving those eyes around and you tap the meridian points, it, you, the brain quiets down. Now I can reprogram it. Ah, okay. okay? Yeah. Th that's how you reprogram it. Okay. And then what happens is you just stop being triggered. It, it's like the person does the exact same thing. You're not triggered. You, you're calmer. You're in your body. You're able to say, no way, no thanks, not happening. You're just not flipping out at your kids or, you know, all the time and saying those stupid things that we say <laughs> when we're in that state that then you're like, oh, my God, did I did that come out of my mouth? You know, yeah. oh, or my. some people freeze, especially women are like this, like they freeze. OK, oh, and they, really? you know, they, they they go to the therapist. Right. They get, <laughs> OK, next time he does that, this is what I'm going to say. I practice it. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> And then they go home and he does it again and they freeze and then they go away. Their brain comes back online. I should have said this. I should have said that. Oh, Why? So because they're in a freeze, a freeze state. You, what you have to do is reset the smoke alarm. So you stop going into a freeze state. Then mm. you, and then the programming mm. sticks. And then you can say what you need to say without being frozen. Wow. Men yeah. usually, men, men or some people <laughs> go into fight. Some go into freeze. Some go into hiding. Like they just <laughs> fear and then some go into fawning where they're just trying to people please, but then they don't tell the truth. They betray themselves. They're just. Mm. And, and, nice. the, and it's interesting because when we think of survival things, we mm -hmm. think of aggressivity, but no, mm -hmm. it can take many forms. That's yeah. very interesting. And Fight, flight, freeze, or fawn are the four main ones. There's other ones, but um, they usually just say fight. Yeah, they usually just say fight, flight, or freeze, but now they're saying fawn. And oh, God, that there's so many people who fawn. You know, you just try to make everybody happy. Oh, I don't need anything. Oh, no. You know, mm. you don't tell the truth. But you know, all of that you need to be aware of. This is interesting. Yeah. You need to be yeah. aware of your of your yeah. own survival yeah. tools, your own survival yeah. mechanism. What, and what wow. served you as a little girl. And don't be mad at it. It <sighs> served you. If you didn't do that, you wouldn't be sitting here. Exactly. You know? That's so you have to do something, but it's not serving you now. But you can't help it because the brain goes it goes to that right away, you know, within a millisecond. So you can't wow. help it. All we can do That's is reprogram it. Yeah. Okay. But we have to talk to, we have to and you can't talk to the amygdala, the smoke alarm. It doesn't listen. It's just too busy wow. setting it up. <laughs> That's the complexity of the human brain. Can you imagine yep. doing that? Yeah. Having an algorithm. Well, the people who the didn't do the people who didn't do that died. So, like, you know, if somebody bigger than you is beating you up, you better freeze. Okay. <laughs> you don't fight back, you're gonna be dead. You know, <laughs> come on. <laughs> oh that gene God. pool didn't go down. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, that's 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 cool. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Another question that we see very often, we hear very often in spiritual groups or training, right. or it's uh, how does one person's energy help others and impact the planet? People oh, think that's... of how my awakening is going to help the planet, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's when you look at everything, 
on the that's going on on the planet right now. I mean, most of you want to go back to bed and suck your thumb. Like it's never going to shift. It's just like forget mm. it. Okay. Now that being said, the truth is everybody's not going to wake up. That's very true. Exactly. Yeah. Some people did not. You come can't force people for that. You just got to be okay with that. The question yeah. you should be asking yourself is, why did I come? Did I come because I wanted to assist the planet in her awakening and in her ascension? And if you did, then it then it's time now to clear off all these energies that are in your field so that you can become a bigger and bigger pillar of light. Mm. So your light is brighter. You walk into the grocery store, you just put light out. And and people, because everybody has lighted them. So if you can put light out by law of resonance, it resonates with them. Now, the other dopey rule on planet Earth is free will. They cannot let it in. They can turn over here and go over here. They, they can do whatever they want. That's not your business. Your business is, am I putting light out? Am I putting fear out? Mm -hmm. Am I judgments out? Am I fighting against or am I standing for? That's our role. And when we can clear out all these energies, judgment, anger, all that, blah, blah. And we can then now we have voltage. So we become the light we put out becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. That's why a master like Jesus, if you read about Jesus or any of the other masters mm -hmm. that we like, mm -hmm. That he walked in a room and puts light that much light the voltage he carried. Why? Because he didn't believe he was unworthy or <laughs> you know he has to be a he has to be a healer or some other crazy thing we're believing down here to prove ourselves. Got it? <laughs> You're so funny. The way you explain things is so direct and boom it hits <laughs> this is it. That, 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 that's it oh yeah oh, that, that's yeah uh, that's cool so it behooves yeah. us really to learn tapping to learn some new things to how do i clear this hate energy some people have violence in them not because they're bad people so who put it in there wow. who put violence you know, in the next question I, I i may have you come back to the podcast as another point the main <laughs> question and i remember asking that to someone a long time ago is i'm sorry to say that but why on earth is a human being so delta from zero to seven? Why are we, you know, programming, getting all that? And then as adults, we have to get rid of it to become a pillar of light. You know, it's like, well, let's not talk about that now. But I mean, at some well, point. Well, why? Because next time go to Venus. It's not like that there. You came <laughs> to Earth and Earth is an energy with fear and love here. And you came for the game. And that's how it goes. And we're in these brains that are wired for survival. The new earth, we will uh, not need these brains. But uh, we're in a transition point where we're moving from being carbon-based to crystalline-based. It's, it's, this is a huge time on the planet. So we are those who are on the spiritual path, in the large sense of the word, spiritual path. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is... This is us. We are some sort of pioneers to contribute to that transition. Yeah. And on top of which, you wanted to come so bad, you had to pick two parents to get here. Yeah. Now, <laughs> frankly, I think some of us should have looked at the contract instead of that, <laughs> including myself sometimes. But, but how many of you out there listening would say, I'm one of those people who just, oh, I'll go on vacation. I'll figure it out later. I, I, you know, I you like to jump in. I can figure that out. Don't worry. And that's what you did. Okay, dumb idea, but you did it. And you came here. <laughs> And now you're like, whoa, what a nuthouse. Uh -huh. What's going on? But we said we want to be at this really exciting turning point in the in planet Earth's time in 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 her whole history. We wanted to be part of it. Yeah. So to be so part of it, again, I'm gonna say, please heal those energies, transmute them, learn the tapping, learn energy psychology, learn anything. I don't care what you do to transmute it. Exactly. Just own it and transmute it. There's nothing wrong with you. Oh, I it's love that. Shell love that, that you had to build in order to be down here. Now let's clear the shell. Let the light within you expand and expand and expand. 
And then exactly. and be the pillar of light wherever you are, <laughs> and then you will be of service exactly. on this. This is well explained because there's no point in forcing. I remember uh, Dalai Lama saying that also. You don't force compassion on someone who has who is still holding on the ego. You have to let go. Then things come up naturally. So yeah. in that sense, clear, clear, cleanse. You know mm -hmm. your yourself. So things will come up strongly. And uh, 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 thank you. Thank you so much. So we have not much time left, but I really want to do the an example. If you can offer us an example of tapping. Sure. Then you have to be the guy. So what oh, would you like yeah. to work on? Give us an issue. <laughs> okay. To, to, uh, if we stay on this, this line of, <clears throat> and actually you mentioned that, of why on earth did I came here? So that's mm -hmm. me. That's me for a long, long time. I was in my 20s. My first existential crisis was, what the F did I come here? Uh, yeah. So that's a I good book this. title. You want to consider that. Okay. So tap into yourself and go back onto the age of seven. What did you learn? about what were the beliefs that were there you have to prove yourself you have to make something happen you have to uh what are you going to be what can you find a belief back there that puts all that pressure on you and stresses you ah what would it uh, be right now I, I can't say much except what comes up is my father was um a doctor for WHO. <laughs> we were in Morocco. So I grew up with this thing. What came to me is the world, always saving the world. Right. You've got to save the world. And yeah. you probably, did you grow up with a lot of suffering where you were, where he was? With uh, Well, it you know, in the 70s in Morocco, it was very, you know, it's a poor country. I mean, the but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, seeing it. And I didn't like so it, honestly. It. Yeah. I didn't like yeah. it. Yeah. For a little kid, like, why do, why are they suffering? Like, I, mm -hmm. I have to help. I have to help. I have to make a difference. Now, if you, many of you listening probably have that too, for one reason or another, I have to do something. And that's very true. You came here to do something. But if you do it with this, I have to energy. Now you've got fear in there or something you have to prove, or this mm -hmm. should be. And that's not true. Earth is like this. We didn't go to Venus. Okay. All right, so come down three inches and over three inches, and there's a soft spot on either side like um, of your body, and you want to rub that. And the first part of tapping, and I do tapping a little bit different than a lot of the other plugs, so you have to read in the book or go on my website. There's downloadable mm -hmm. things. And just say, even though I, 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 um, I believe I am here to save something or I have to do it, I have to fix things, I have to, I have to help, like I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. I accept myself. So that would be your belief. Like, yeah. So even though I believe I have to do it, or I'm not a good person, or I'm not, I'm wrong, or I'm bad, I accept myself. You just accept that's your belief. Even though I, I believe that, I accept. Okay. Now, then you tap on this uh, karate chop part of the side of your hand, and you say, I'm choosing to release the belief that I have to. All the roots and origins of how I got that. On both sides or only one side? No, you can do one side. Oh, okay. All the roots and origins of how I, I got that belief. Because your father probably had it. It's probably in your lineage. And all that it means and does to me. So I'm choosing to release this belief, this pressure that I have to. Because if you do something out of pressure, you're doing it out of fear and you can't get your intuition and your soul can't call you to the next thing. All the roots and origins of how I got it and all that it means and does to me. And it could be in your lineage. It could be in your DNA. I'm choosing to release this belief that I have to save the planet or whatever thing. All the roots and origins of it and all that it means and does to you. Okay? Now we're going to tap on meridian points. So you start right here with your eyebrows. Start by the bridge of your nose. Then you do the temples, the side of your eyes. And you just tap five to seven times. Okay. Then you do under your eyes. Oh, okay. And under your nose. And okay. under your lips. Ah. Then here where your collarbone is. Yeah, you're going to tap there. Yeah. Under your arms, four inches. Now, this one should be tender. This one usually hurts people. Oh, it's a little tender for people, right? Right on the about four inches be, uh, below your armpit. Poke around oh, okay. and find that. Usually tender. Under your chest. And 
put all your fingers together and tap at the top of your head. So I'm giving you the simplest version of tapping. That's the very simplest. I didn't do the eye movements with it. Just take a breath, see how that feels. I have to do it. I have to. What are you noticing? Is it more clear? Does it feel the same? I I feel calmer. I feel like I am am, uh, objectifying, you know, like I'm taking a step back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, because the truth is, what's the truth? So we, now then we would, if we're continuing to, I know we're running out of time, but we would take a belief that you want to have, or if you had a little girl, mm-hmm. what would you program her? You have to save the world? No, exactly. you would program her, yeah, something else. And then we would program that in. So I know we're running out of time, so we okay. don't have much for that. No. But yeah, Wonderful. you would program that new belief in, and then I it'll see. hold. And then you take actions with the new belief, like more ease for yourself a day off, how about a vacation? And you begin uh, to do, and if you feel any intense tension as you're doing something for yourself, you just tap that down. Like uh-huh. I am not allowing my old programming to mm-hmm. run me in and it resets the amygdala. So your brain, st- you don't go into fight, flight or freeze every time you try to take a day off or something's wrong or I'm really great because I, you know, work so hard. Then, then your body gets sick and that's not such a good exactly. idea. Yeah. Wow. Using the energy system of the body to calm the limbic brain down and then reprogram yourself. And it works. Oh, oh, that's that's well explained. Well, Mm -hmm. it's interesting because I've heard about that technique and we see it everywhere on YouTube and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, oh, another commercial thing. You know, I've never really been into it. So it's by looking at your book, I'm like, holy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the best. I, what I would invite your audience to do the best thing you can do. There's all sorts of stuff on my website, marysize.com. Mm-hmm. Go there. But the best thing I do is on Tuesdays. I have something called Tapping Tuesdays at two o'clock, and people from all over the world come on, and one or two mm-hmm. people go. Everybody taps for together. It's amazing what happens on that thing. And is and that on your website, this link? That's on my website. It's called Tapping Tuesday. Just sign up for that and just jump in. There's no fees, no commitment. You can drop in, drop out. Nobody cares. And uh, it's it's fascinating. There's people all over the world that are on that, all wonderful. tapping together and um, in, for an wonderful. hour. And it is, everybody gets a healing. It is mind-blowing. Oh, that's wonderful. Mary. Yeah, it's really cool. Oh, I actually so started it for the pandemic. And then, but now I'm, we're having so much fun. I can't stop myself. <laughs> I'm addicted to it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you have so much energy. You are like, you know, it's viral. I'm, I'm thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, going to do it. Come do it with that. I'm going to join. I'm doing it. Yes, I'm joined. Okay, yeah. oh, good. Oh, Mary, we, this is the only time we have. It was so much fun. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. And um, well, we'll see you perhaps for another episode, but uh, I really appreciated the time you spent with us. Mm-hmm. So uh, thank you all for being with us. And I am sure that today's episode opened your mind to the shift of consciousness essential in well-being and mental health, your mental health for self-transformation and realization. So I encourage you to listen again to this episode and explore the possibilities for your everyday life transformation. Be with us on the journey into consciousness for this 21st century pillar of light. I am Viviane Casimir, and this is a monthly podcast. Follow us on the Voice America platform for great insights and talks. And see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to this month's episode of Tea Break with Viviane Casimir. Tune in next month for another new empowering episode. Until then, have a nice cup of tea and a clear mind.